た胸の大きいいい女ごめんと Hello and welcome to AMO Kenzoku episode 2 You cannot elucidate We are a group of four Boomer Otaku who wanted an excuse to talk about anime, manga, and any related subjects we find interesting. The Kenzoku are Sam. Hello. Mike. Hi, everybody. Nick. Howdy, howdy. And I am Dylan. This episode is being recorded on Thursday, February 17th, 2022. A point of clarification we are not OK Boomer Boomers. Rather, we're Bubblegum Crisis Boomers, a production I'm sure we'll discuss at some point. Today, we will continue discussing the Evangelion Rebuild movies. This discussion involves spoilers for everything Evangelion, so you have been warned. Hashin! So, let's get into talking about these,、uh, Wait, these we... movies. Go ahead. Oh, well, before we get into the, the main stuff we want to talk about, I wanted to correct something from the last episode. Oh, yes, please. Yeah, that's a good point. Start off with some corrections. Go for yeah. it. Yeah.、Um, so we spent、um, some time wondering why the first movie is basically just、uh, exactly the same as the first like, six episodes of the TV series.、Um, there's actually an answer for that.、Um, if you can go read the、um, interviews. Um, with uh, Tsurumaki uh, about the movies, and they basically originally intended the movies to just rehash the TV series、um, because they found it was hard for people to get a hold of the TV series. So they, they wanted to kind of re,、um, redo it to make it more available.、Um, but after they did the first one,、uh, they decided for various reasons that things would have to change.、Um, and that's where it diverged. Uh, okay, thanks, Sam. I have another correction, which,、uh, you know, is very clear in the thing, but I don't pay attention to all this stuff, which is that、uh, there's a, aside from angels being cut out, there's also a different ordering, which is that Sachi chan, as I, as I affectionately call Sachi chan, the,、uh, the first angel that shows up in both the TV series and the movie in the rebuild is the fourth angel. And I'm sure we'll come back to angels and ordering and numbering and stuff. And the angel that Mari fights at the beginning of Rebuild 2 is the third angel. And it's called the third angel, but it's not given a name.、Um, and according to other various stuff, it's escaping out of the, uh, uh, the、uh, Cacalyx, sorry, I'm pronouncing it wrong, out to Acheron. Basically, it was stuck in the permafrost underneath the experimental base up in the. North Pole.、Uh, so that's at least one correction I had from last time. I'm sure there's other things I said that were completely wrong. <laughs> And then I, I'd like to make、uh, a correction as well. I think this one's a bit more、uh, clear cut in being an actual correction.、Um, when we were discussing、uh, Hikaru Tada on our, at the end of the last episode,、uh, I and I think the rest of us、uh, used she, her pronouns, which technically. Uh, they do accept, but Utado actually came out as non binary last year. And、uh, most of the interviews, at least the written interviews I've seen,、uh, refer to them as them they. So I just wanted to uh, uh, mention that it was not a malicious、uh, you know, pronoun usage on our end. We actually just didn't know. So 
wanted to make that clear uh, that that uh, we we didn't intend to misuse the pronouns. So moving forward, I'll do my best to make sure I use uh, them they when discussing anything about Utada. Okay, sounds good. We've gotten a few minor corrections, and then I'm sure everything we say this episode, we will come back in a future episode and have an entire corrections episode just on corrections to corrections. <laughs> um, so plot points, because I, being the nut that I am, I rewatched uh, 1.11 and 2.22 and got halfway through 3 again. And one of the things, because um, I think we had a couple things we wanted to kind of discuss and focus on. One of the topics we had was kind of like complex changes from the TV series. And... Um, Going back to episode one, which is which is everyone acknowledges definitely the most similar for a whole lot of a whole lot of reasons. But one thing I did notice, which is that when Misato takes Shinji down to uh, Terminal Dogma to go see to go see Lilith, that scene does happen in the TV series. But aside from it just being uh, much later in the TV series. In the TV series, she's also completely breaking in there with guns on uh, Akagi on Ritsuko. Um, and this is after, you know, like like half the, t- half the series where she spends trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, as opposed to in the movie where she just walks in. She's not breaking in anywhere. And I thought that was kind of an interesting oh. difference there. I didn't catch that. Yeah, and I think this kind of is um, brings up a, another point of how I didn't. I, we didn't even mention it because I, you know we were focusing on on the on on Shinji and the and the Eva pilots, but Misato and her role is completely different <laughs> in uh, TV versus um, in the movies. Like, talk about like for me, just the. That alone was is a significant talking point. I think um, she's probably one of the most divergent characters as far as what her role was in TV versus the movies. I feel, or um, maybe divergent is not the right word because I think this is something another topic we can discuss. But uh, you're talking about uh, after the third time impact, stuff? yeah, yeah after, after the third impact, near third yeah. impact. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Oh, that's okay, so we're jumping forward. Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to to drag it too far ahead, but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, I guess that was kind of tangentially related to Dylan's, um, comment about how it was very different where it seemed like in TV, by the time, um, Misato goes down into Terminal Dogma to, to show, well, yeah, it was more of a, an infiltration and like a, and like a forced entry and something, you know, something that she originally didn't know was there where in the movie it's, it's like very matter of fact that she's like, I have something to show you here, come see it kind of. So it's. I, I do agree that is very a significant plot point as far as kind of how um, how much information she was privy to in the movies versus in the TV series. Which is interesting because it was, I mean, it's basically just a recap movie and to, to change something so big in that one is is, is uh, noteworthy. Um, continue there one, and this is a super minor one, but I thought it was so much better was, you know, pretty much at the end of at the end of the first movie when Ray smiles at, at Shinji. Oh my god. I I 
for whatever reason, I always kind of cringed at the way it was drawn in the TV series for her smile. And I thought it looked so much better in the movie. One, so I was just so glad they reanimated 100%, that. 100% um, on the same wavelength. Uh, I feel like in TV, it was almost intentionally drawn to be kind of eerie. Like, really just unsettling, almost. Where in at the end of the movie, it was much more, felt much more kind of touching. And like, like I had the, it felt like it had a human touch. Um, so let's, let's hold on episode one for a second here. And we, if it takes us into the future or the past, whatever, that's fine. So episode one and time loop iteration stuff here. So in episode one, and I feel like that some of this gets explained differently, but you know, you start off the other, a couple of the other major differences is you start off with the oceans red um and also in episode one there's even parts where you see like the chalk outlines of a dead body that certainly look like an eva that certainly look like an eva like on kind of a destroyed hill Mm -hmm. off to the side of a town yeah um so my kind of quick take on that at the time without with if just just from the knowledge of episode one there like you're already kind of like, okay, what's happening? Did we already go through like a third impact or something? And we've somehow are here and Eva's have been thrown around and not. Um, that's kind of where I got to. And then in episode uh, two or maybe even further on, they explain and they say that, well, the second impact, the oceans were turned red. Just for um, clarification, when you're saying episode one and two, you're referring to first and second movies, correct? That's the that's sorry, the that's cor- we'll that is that is correct. Re- it, rebuild make, one and two. Right. Just just to clarify for any listeners, when we're, from moving forward, we're anytime we're just to keep it simple because the titles honestly are bizarre and impossible to remember. So we were just going to be calling the rebuild movies episode one one through four for simplicity simplicity's sake. Minor diversion. I I didn't. I didn't get why they call the thing Q. Um, and in reading a bunch of the interviews, they actually originally just named them after the like traditional Japanese theater uh, acts, Jo Ha and Q. And that's why a lot that third one is Q. Uh, hmm. That doesn't. So all the Japanese fans generally refer to them in that way. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, I would think we read some of some similar stuff there with that, but it is, yeah. And then there's there's so much interesting stuff with naming throughout the entire series, TV and and movies and everything. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what other people's impressions were from watching episode one and what they kind of thought was going there. You know, like if you could kind of like stop your brain for a second and just kind of go, huh, what what happened there? Red Seas definitely got me. I was like. Did was this in the original? I don't think this was in the original because it's been so long since I watched the the TV series. Uh, and nothing like like I said before, I didn't even pick up on the going down into Central Dogma uh, being different. So it was just mostly just the Red Seas for me and uh, the, the different nerve logo, which is just really minor, but that was interesting. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think my takeaway from it, uh, my recollection is going to be a lot rustier because I haven't rewatched episode one in a in a 
few years now. But I do recall distinctly recall um, the the red season kind of what what you were talking about, Dylan, with kind of evidence that there was already like stuff going on with Evas and Angels, and I think it was the way I interpreted it was just oh okay they kind of wanted to show that before the you know before Shinji and the rest of the the pilots showed up they already were trying to do something with Evas what that was you know wasn't made super clear but it, I think they were just inferring that you know stuff was already happening before the kids were involved um, with regards to the Nerve logo, I honestly didn't even catch that until like, actually a few years after the, even the second movie came out, just because I, I, I think I, I just wasn't paying attention to it enough until one day I was looking at, at, um, I think it was an image, a side-by-side image and somebody's bringing it up. I'm like, oh, I totally didn't even realize that. So it goes to show how, how little I paid attention to that. But I did notice that throughout the movies, there there's several different forms of the logo and even the old one shows up at, at one point in the first movie. So I thought that was interesting. I, I think the weird nerve logo version, when I looked at it more, I think is the Tokyo three logo. Um, I don't know. That, that definitely. Yes. I, I agree with you there. And like, yeah, in the first and second movie, you see the, you see those two different logos, like, seemingly almost interchanged like they show up almost at equal frequency and i i agree with you in looking at it because in watching the trains they have the um i'll call it the stem up leaf so it looks like a leaf where that's you're like you're holding it by the stem Mm -hmm. and so that appears to me to at least without you know there's always more research one can do but that appears to be the tokyo 3 logo and i agree it kind of seems like it's like wrapped around in there so it's almost kind of like it's like oh this is like the Nerve Tokyo 3 branch logo versus the corporate Nerve logo. Yeah, yeah that was interesting. And then there's that weird one uh, at the end of the movie, uh, in the fourth movie. We don't have to. Oh, in the the third and the fourth, where it goes down to like this minimalistic block print look. Yeah, yeah, like somebody just ran a, a weird Photoshop filter over the logo. <laughs> Interesting. I think of that that one to me feels like it totally like makes sense and feels completely in line with what is remaining of um of nerve which is yeah it's just become this super bizarre thing um so we can just let the talk continue forward just imagine somebody having to design the logo <laughs> hey, our, hey our uh our organization's in ruins looks like we need a new logo uh <laughs> Is uh, Tanaka still around? Can he do that? Yeah. Is he? Is he dead? Has he? Has he been absorbed into uh, the White Moon? No. No. Oh, awesome. Great. Tanaka. Perfect. Tanaka, buddy. Let's get on that. <laughs> um. Let's hear. Uh, Mike, do you have any uh, thoughts or anything on the on the first movie or anything? I know that you're definitely less familiar with the series because it's been quite a while since you've seen that. Or any other impressions or anything else that you feel are worth methanogening? Not right now. I remember it hit me pretty hard at the time, but that was more an emotional reaction, and I'm having trouble remembering the details right now. Sorry, y'all. Oh, that's fine. Um, Okay, so I'll kind of have us continue roughly forward into, into episode two, which 
starts out quite different and then uh and then jumps into the Kari Kano section and then <laughs> finishes with the Kari Kano section and uh jumps back out into uh end of the world section and for reference Kari Kano is a uh, anime and manga that was written in the late 90s and Gainax did a TV series that Ono directed in 99 good series it is yeah. indeed. Yep, I love it though, not to the extent that I was crazy enough to live sub it like all y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go yep. there. Um. So in episode two, the first character you see is the illustrious Marin Makinami Illustrious or Mari Illustrious Makinami. No, you can't say the name in the right order. It's not possible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Mari. Um, So I did some some reading. I feel like I may have done some of the same of some of the uh, documentation. And Mari's character um, was made... Effectively, if you like Mari's character, it's because you don't care anything about Anno, because he had nothing to do with her. <laughs> he intentionally took himself out of the creative process for her design. It was, uh, as apparently affectionately called, Maki, or uh, Tsurumaki, Kazuya Tsurumaki, one of the other directors. He, it was his design uh, for the, a lot of the character details and stuff, and then went through Sadamoto for character design and art. And um, so Ono intentionally kept himself out of the design because he felt that if he were to put himself into the design of the character, it would end up being either a replacement for or kind of a substitute for one of the other characters. So that's why... He did try uh, that, he he said, in in earlier iterations of the script. uh, Or at least I thought I recall, like, yeah, that was his... His problem was he, yeah, they were just going to usurp another character, and that would be bad. So, so uh, since we're since we're in here, let's uh, let's get the let's take a, a hot let's get let's get the hot take. What do people? What are people's feelings on Mari and her addition to the Eva canon? We'll go with Sam first. I, <laughs> I, I watched so after watching through. All of the movies. I won't cover the details out of order here, but uh, I, I finished them all, and I still was asking what what was her point? What was the point of Mari? What what did she do? Uh, what was it, even her story? Like, I, it it doesn't seem like the movie any of the movies gave us enough information about her until maybe the very end. They gave us some threw us some bones, but like she was kind of there. Uh, I guess mission accomplished for fan service wise. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. She made both the Asuka stands and Ray stands have a sad, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have an, I, I have a take. I don't know if it's hot or not or interesting or not, but um, I think that in the scope of the movies. Mari is head and shoulders the most competent and accomplished pilot out of all of the pilots and 
I would say is the only one that actually enjoys piloting an Evangelion to begin with. And I True. think that was kind of what they decided. She would be the one, the frontliner that, you know, is in the thick of it. You know, and every, and like all the you know, largest action shots in all of the movies, they all involve Mari, at least somewhat. So I think that's the role they decided to have her fulfill. And she's also probably the least, considerably least damaged individual in all the movies. And I think that's what they kind of wanted was to be like, hey, we're not just about having incredibly damaged people try to save the world. We can also have, you know, at least one one other, you know, non, non-emotionally tortured and, you know, completely cynical person go you know go about this all i do agree with you though sam she there is almost no she's just dropped literally she she gets dropped in right and yeah and you're just suddenly expected to accept that and i it was a hard sell for me but uh i don't know if it's just because after you know nearing 30 years of of um really really bad like fan art and fan fiction of like ray <laughs> ray and asuka for me it was refreshing just to see another character thrown in so i actually um despite the clear um plot flaws that she introduced i actually enjoyed her as a character quite a lot i would counter the statement though that that she's least damaged mostly because we don't get enough information about the- her to make Fair. a determination really right? she actually <laughs> might be the most damaged and she actually snapped and bounced back and has snapped so bad that she bounced back to functional whereas everybody yeah. else is you know very very low functioning but or damaged in a different way and a total psychopath that's also very likely yes um what about you dylan what's your what's your take um yeah i think yeah, I, 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 that's an interesting point. I like the the point that she is. I'll, I'll take it at face. I'll take her at face value for what she presents, which is that she's not a damaged person, and she uses the Evo like way more effectively. Like her battle against the tenth angel at the end of episode two, where she's just like, "Oh, you guys are doing this thing. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, go into the Uraco mode of the beast yeah, right. and just." Uh, mm-hmm go go bonkers and like it's kind of interesting too that even in there like after she gets totally you know totally cut up in uh unit two she still like tries to kind of like help shinji get out of there and she's not even she's like you know she is destroyed and she's even with that point she's still kind of like okay well you know i'm fine yeah Um, yeah exactly as opposed to taking internally um, not quite with Mari, but there's there's the Mari Asuka pairing, which I think is interesting, and mm-hmm. um, there's some other really different changes that I kind of as I thought about it and watched episode two again, and it's one of those things that I think if you watch the rebuild movies without seeing the TV series, I think you would have a completely different impression of Asuka. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because in the movies, Asuka is almost she's 
I think more true to the way she kind of presents herself in the TV series, which in that in the movies, she's not like super popular. She's not friends with everyone. She's not really friends with, uh, with Hikari. Like Hikari asked her for lunch once and she's like, huh, what's your name? Uh, whatever. Um, and also another interesting thing is that, um, you know, the kind of the peak, the peak moment of Asuka's stuff in episode two is right before she goes to pilot um, Mark five. Okay, eventually I'll get these right. Uh, the one that gets, you know, taken over by the, by the corruption. Um, and, you know, she, you know, says that, you know, I'm, I've always been on my own, but I'm trying to try to be more of a, a person to, uh, that can relate and be a, a human person. I think one of the other things you can even take out of that is like the whole like second half of the Eva TV series is just Asuka losing and losing and losing and losing every time more mm-hmm. such that when she comes back in end of Eva and aside from the animation for that whole segment of her just trashing, like you're just like so happy because you're like, Oh man, she's back and she's kicking butt. Well, and like, this she is, makes, yeah, this is she Asuka. makes that epiphany, right? Like she goes, she hits Brock bottom. And then she finally has the epiphany that, oh, I'm not alone. My mom's been with me the whole time. Like, when she, when she makes that connection, like, oh, like, mom does, mom, unit, two, unit, unit two does equal mom. And then she suddenly is, you know, the, the you know, has the best combat sequence in all of EVA, still, in my opinion. And, oh, yeah. And then, uh, and then you're like, oh, by the way, no, life, life doesn't work like that, kiddo. And you've, you see, like one of the also one of the single largest massacres of all time, mm-hmm. right afterwards, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing that that was one of those things where it's like you you know you're 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 beaten down, beaten down, and you finally rise up, and then reality hits, and you're beaten down even further down than the the rock bottom you hit previously, you know, to the point where she's, uh, you know, uh, you 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 are made to assume that she is dead at that point because I mean you see the Eva series consuming. You know, too, and that, that was about as gruesome as you could could make it. So, I was I was gonna say that the one of the differences about Oscar and how you get it, you know, Dylan, you said that watching the movies, if you only watch the movies, you get a completely different impression of her. I think parts of that is maybe if I were to complain about something, is that she doesn't get much development in the movies before the near third impact or whatever it is. Um, before the end of the second movie, or before the before the third movie, I should say, she gets more stuff from there on. But there's kind of the whole thing with the party for Shinji and her losing a little bit. I just I feel like there's not as there's not as much time there spent where you get to focus on Asuka as you did in the TV series. Um, I, I totally agree. That's a agree. fair point. I totally agree. I think this harkens back to the, you know, not, not, I don't want to dig up too much old topics, but, you know, when the question of does, do the movies deprecate the TV series? And for me, it was a definite no just because of Asuka as a character. I still, I feel that you only get the whole picture of Asuka as a character from watching TV and the movies. And the movies are kind of the completion of her character where she went through these, all these stages of grief, you know, going up and down, up and down, and finally at the very, very end, she's 
made peace with who she is and what her lot is in life and she finally just accepts it and you don't really see that journey unless you have seen you know tv eoe and the rebuilds in my opinion so uh going after that i have one last one last ask you point then i'm gonna move forward there which is that i think in the movies it's definitely different because like while she doesn't win every battle like she doesn't lose and she's a a pretty competent uh pilot she still has times where like at the beginning of the third movie where you know falling into the atmosphere and asks for shinji's help to get unit one um but it to me it feels like in the movies the losses she takes are not as heavy or even like as much in her control as they are in the TV series. Like when she tries to mm-hmm. stop unit 13, like she does everything she can to try and stop it. It's not like she, you know, loses her ability to synchronize with Eva. You know, she uses jumping forward here, uses the angel blood mm-hmm. and becomes super, super crazy uh die buster animation um <laughs> yeah oscar yeah, she does a dang good job she's very effective um it was just a trap that's all yeah <laughs> um so i guess before leaving the oscar topic I, again we're kind of jumping forward but since we're going to be focusing on her as a character what were your guys thoughts on her kind of history being retconned by in the final movie basically the, and it kind of ex- was an explanation of why they changed her last name from Soryu to Shikinami was because basically she was also part of this master, like the the master project to you know make clone children, basically. Yeah, that was odd, and and it's not the it's not her mom that's in her Eva, it's Ken Ken. Right. Wait, what? I well, not... he wasn't exactly in here in in her Eva, but like. When she was looking for some sort of, what do I want to say, connection or something, and she saw, you know, Kensuke. Uh huh. Because they have this very interesting relationship yeah, in in episode four yeah, that yeah. I'm sure there's no I'm sure there's no inappropriate fan fiction written about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, she's thirty. Okay, it's okay. She's thirty. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, but how is he? Kensuke is inside Unit Two. I, that's what. No. Um. In and uh, anyone, please correct me here. But in uh, in four, when after she does Angel Blood and then gets sucked inside of Unit Thirteen to be the other soul, because Ikari uh, left. So then you have. Kaoru, his soul is trapped in there, and so it was a, Unit 13 was a trap to get her soul stuck in there. Mm-hmm. So then when they go down into the negative universe, uh, and you have Unit 1 and 13 fighting and stuff, and that basically resolves with Gendo finally growing up. <laughs> um, uh, Shinji goes in there to try and get people out and get their get their souls out of there and comes down to Asuka's part in there and 
uh, she has this little moment where she finds her connection and as uh, as Nick said reveals that like there was the Shikinami series and that she was the one who survived out of that series um, mm-hmm. to to become the pilot and where am I trying to go with this? Kensuke. Kensuke. And in there she sees Ken Ken as, as her spirit animal. I just thought read that as more of a emotional connection that this guy is waiting for you, so go go back to him. Yeah, that's that's kind of hmm. how I interpret it at face value. So I thought that's what you were like, inferring. It's not so it's not I don't think that I think they kind of detached or they they decided to kind of leave it more arbitrary because you know the whole the evas are the evas actually have the souls of your moms and them was not quite what they were going with in the rebuilds in my opinion because um at at the very like the final like when Shinji's you know at the end of now that we're fully you know asynchronous at the very end of the of of episode four when you know. When when Shinji's uh, about to leave, um, he, he turns and see, you know, his, sees his mom in in a plug suit, you know, go basically um, take like taking his place in in Unit One. So it's like she basically was stuck in that bizarre world instead of being put into Unit One, is how I interpreted it. So like oh, I, I thought she came in with unit one is what i thought hmm. interesting yeah i would definitely like i i definitely do need to rewatch it again because i only have watched four once and that's certainly not enough to get for me at least to get a complete yeah. picture but but uh well mike you're the most re- recent viewer of <laughs> of m4 what were your thoughts on all of that um yeah but i'm the least recent viewer of everything else <laughs> <laughs> Therefore, I didn't really have as much to compare it with. Well, well so at face but, value, yeah, I wasn't totally clear in the movies whether the whole mom in the Ava thing was still a thing in that or not. Yeah, that's that's the take I'm. I I got takeaway I had as well was I don't think they were necessarily going with that anymore. I feel like that that's another one of those things where. Uh... A, you you really need to watch the TV series to get the most out of it because we wouldn't even be. I, I don't think we would even be talking about this if we hadn't seen the TV series. Exactly. This, this whole point. Um, but B, yeah, there's you know just not as much time to explain all of these kinds of things, uh, even if they wanted to. <laughs> there's that part. Even uh, I think there's probably like two parts like this where uh, one that sticks out is Fuyutsuki let say, Shinji, uh, I, f- I feel like I need to tell you these things. And at that moment, I'm like, he's talking to me. He's talking directly to me. <laughs> Please tell me what's going on because I have no idea. Yeah, he gets real old. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's fair. It's that's another. There's so many. There's so many questions I have on on everything there, but like. So, okay. Well, I'll just I'll just pick one thread and we'll we'll take it as far as it goes. What is the madness with all of the crazy Eva series and things being produced out of there? And then the Eva Infinity and there's infinite Evas and they're everywhere. And then they turn into headless Lillian monsters. 
Go. Oh, God. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> what was was the inf- Ava Infinity? Was that the one where they had like the big swarm? Uh, yes. There was a part where there's a big. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is my hang up, my personal hang up. But there, there's a part where there's like a big um, like swarm of Avas. It's, they were like CG Avas, and I thought it looked terrible. Um, <laughs> but that's my memory. And, and I couldn't keep track of all of the, like, Mark 6, Unit 13, and Unit 13 looks like Unit 1. and With like, four arms. Yeah, with four arms. Like, it was... Uh, and does that it, tie into the first angel now also being the 13th angel? And... Huh. Maybe. So that's the whole thing there too. And there's also, because they call it, there's the whole thing of like atoms. And I was reading some other stuff that makes some reasonable points that there really isn't, there isn't like an atom. There was like the four atoms and it's, you know, kind of one of those intentional uh, plural, non-plural Japanese word <laughs> things. Ha ha ha. Thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Um, but one of the theories is that there's like these four atoms creatures and you could take it from some of the stuff, particularly when Shinji starts the near third impact that Eva zero one was one of those things that had been modified into an Eva because Ritsuko says that it's going back to its original form when it becomes this beast of light with the mm. pillar of light coming out of it. Which looks just like the, also, the thing in uh, Misato's memory. Yes. Exactly. Yep. And then you could also say, okay, it's that Eva 13 is also another one of those, um, another one of those creatures, because it's also birthed in like this super bizarre way in episode three, where it comes out of this black womb in the middle of... Well, it was sealed, right? It was already there, but it was being sealed by the... By the uh by the spear no it was that epi- uh, because they needed shinji and kaoru to go in the the uh double plug right. suit entry system in 13 such that they could get oh, down right. no, into I'm... the dome yes, 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 to get yes. down to there to retrieve the two spears yes, yes. which were supposed to be longinus and cassius that's a whole nother thing with the spears <laughs> <laughs> We're going to need like eight more episodes here, guys. <laughs> I, I, I think they had a different meaning for Q when they had Q for episode three. They just missed the Anon part of it because it's <laughs> just as many conspiracy theories. I will say as much as They're... like I like to uh, exasperatedly sigh about how confusing this stuff is, I do love it because it's fun to um, speculate and pull it apart. Yeah, speculate yeah. and kind of put together the pieces um, much like you and not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah hopefully in a more uh yeah you know well i i, I guess the worst thing we'll do is we'll, we'll stop talking to each other right we're not gonna yeah. we're not gonna <laughs> be invading capital buildings or anything so um gosh we we opened so many more doors here i don't even um know where where to where to go at this point <laughs> so how about so how about host dylan I, I, guide us all right, so I'll try to ask a question. The just the Eva Infinity thing. Let's just focus on that. What do people think that is, or what does it what does it mean? And like, as part of that, I take that as like you know that you, there's all these various Eva bodies like around the world, even before they go down into the South Pole. Like, 
there's all these other Eva bodies that are supposedly kind of like buried throughout the world, they say, and are like digging themselves out kind of and just wandering around aimlessly. I thought that was that those were the people that were um, that's what happened to people during the purification was they turned into those. That was my reading of it, but I don't know, again, confusing. Yeah, I, huh. I'm actually there with Sam. I was under the impression that the uh, that basically the lack of a better word, the souls of all the people who you know ended up being being consumed in the third impact or near third impact were basically being utile, and that's why it, it was nearly infinite because it's you know how many how many people actually survived the near third? Like I I, I want to say it was less than less less than a less than a hundred thousand. I'm sure. So one of the people who had those nerve barriers, right? Well, no, uh, Villa, right? Not nerve, Villa, because well, Villa was they were reactivating them. them, right? But I thought that they were built by nerve. Yeah, I guess you're were right. they built by? I know you're right, but Villa, Villa basically was the one that were the ones that were maintaining those those structures, yeah, yeah. so that yeah, you sure, know, that, that, didn't care. <laughs> yeah, because so that way Kenska and and uh, and crew wouldn't be completely be completely screwed over. So. Yeah, Mike. What's your what's your impression of the? Uh, I'll call it the Infinite Eva Swarm and such. I'm not sure, so I'm going to go meta and wonder if it has anything to do with Ava's merchandising jug or not, because <laughs> they have turned out a almost infinite number of Ava things. Oh, well, that's really meta. <laughs> I could. That's not a. You know. I could see that as like a secondarily thing of them kind of poking fun at themselves in merchandising with the infinite Evas. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're I, I honestly I hadn't I hadn't thought about that, but I about it in that way. Um, but I I think that makes that makes the most sense that yeah that it's the souls of people that got swallowed up in the N3i, and they went into this form of Eva because. I don't know. Shinji likes Evas, I guess. Yeah. I, I did love the imagery of them just kind of wandering around like zombies. I thought that yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool and also disturbing because that's kind of. Yeah, right. That's the one thing we never really got answered in TV, right? It's like, well, everybody got turned into this giant pool of LCL. Are they happy at least? <laughs> and then the movie, in the movies, like, no, they're zombies and they, they their existence is pain. I'm like, oh. Well, that's that's not great at all. Um, so, how how about I throw out another? I feel like we haven't really discussed Gendo very much. So, what were your guys' impressions of, of Gendo with the hole in the head Gendo? Let's just go with that. <laughs> when I first saw him, I thought, "What? Those are some stupid shades. Why did you guys change that?" And then, oh, that's why. <laughs> Oh, I, I will say that it, it I did seem interesting to me that the, the visor thing looks very similar to the one worn by um, Chairman... Oh, man, what's his name from... The guy from Zaley, um, right? Yeah, right, the guy Keel, from Zaley. Keel Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, Keel Lauren, yeah. It's like it's huh. almost like what he wears. Mm. That's a good point. I had not thought of that. And, I mean, Zaley was basically out of the picture pretty much by, by movie two, so... Well, which is another interesting thing, right? There, that 
basically they changed they changed what the the big takeaway i kind of see in the grand like overall how this is how Anna wanted to change the finale was instead of having Zele being the per- perpetrators of human instrumentality and Gendo kind of just standing by and he's like, ha, it's cool because I got to see my wife again. Ha ha ha. It's Gendo is taking control and Gendo is kind of the one that is going to basically, you know, trigger the human instrumentality and, and, and physically like rest his wife from, bizarro world is kind of the big takeaway that i had like great great generalization like mm-hmm. a lot of parts that was like the bigger picture that i was seeing was they wanted to make gendo the primary antagonist and at the very very end the final showdown was between shinji and gendo which was a confrontation we never got in tv like mm-hmm. they never got closure in tv they had, didn't even see each other physically for the last how many episodes like like eight or something like that so that was the big takeaway. Yeah, that was nice. I had it gave it gave it gave it gave a real kind of you know almost kind of I don't want to say like stereotypical, but it gave you a real nice closure to it that I really appreciated actually. Yeah, same. But I still I still don't get going back to Bizarro Gendo. Uh, Ritsuko mentioned something about him taking the key of Nebuchadnezzar, but that I. I'm trying to... My Evil Lore is a little rusty. I don't recall that ever being really mentioned in TV. It, it happens. It's in episode, mm. two. episode 2. That's what Kaji oh. brings That's what Kaji brings with her from Europe that is the, the key, key of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. It's, an, oh. it's not because there's no more Adam, so he brings key. the key of Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. That was in the suitcase. Yes, yes, yes. Thank yep, you. Yep, that was the oh, suitcase this time. Man, clearly, clearly I need to watch TV for a, a 30th time because I still miss details. <laughs> But or no, I, I mean that was in movie too, not not TV. Oh, okay, that makes me feel better. I mean, then. because I've only it seen is in TV in series. T- yeah, yeah. But in TV, he brings Adam. Adam. Right. Yeah. It's not. And in the movie, he brings in the movie he the brings key the key of Nebuchadnezzar. And there's there's other theories that say the key of Nebuchadnezzar is one of the other of the four Adams. Oh mm. God. <laughs> Jesus. Um, okay. Yeah, there's no, okay, okay. there's no end that to get, that, the that, quickening that, theories. That, that closes the loop for me personally. So crazy, now, now crazy hole in head Gendo, I'm, I'm a lot more um, on board with. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought that, uh, yeah, I really thought the conclusion there and everything was good and interesting. And, you know, it was kind of annoying that uh, Gendo had a, you know, go and destroy everything to grow up and become an adult. <laughs> um, but that was, uh, I was listening, there was a, it was part of the NHK documentary where Anno was talking with, I forget his name, but the voice actor for Gendo, and they were kind of talking about their last scenes and stuff there, and um, they were talking about it, and the voice actor was saying, he's like, yeah, you know, like, like Gendo likes to try and act like Shinji's like weak and a coward, but he's actually not. Like Gendo's actually the one who's really like weak and a coward. Mm-hmm. And uh, I agree with that because you know he's, you know he's this kid's dad, and he denied him for his whole life, and then is pushing all of this responsibility to do everything to bring his wife back from the anti-space onto his son, and one time in his entire life gives him any sort of acknowledgement and you know wants everyone to 
do all of his bidding. It's like he doesn't even want to ask him to do it, right? He's just, I'm going to manipulate him into doing it. It's pretty messed up. And they specifically, like, there's talks between Gendo and Fiyutsuki where they specifically talk about, like, oh, we're manipulating. Things Things went great there in that scenario where Shinji did something horrible and felt awful. They're like, mm-hmm. hey, let's manipulate. Let's get let's get Ray closer to him now so we can have our third impact. It'll be a third impact party. It's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was another thing. I know I'm kind of going backwards, but the manipulating Ray to be close to Shinji and was the deal that all of the clones were, were designed to have this affinity for Shinji. Um, and that would include Asuka in the movies. I think so. They state that the Ray series are designed to have an affinity towards Shinji and that the Asuka series, I forget theirs was it was almost like they're designed to like be a tsundere for shinji kind of well i mean we can even go further more meta and be like ray was supposed to be kind of like a surrogate almost for shinji because there is that mm-hmm. i don't remember if they mentioned it in, in the rebuilds but you know when when there's a flashback in tv for sure where, where gendo and yui are talking about you know what the what's the name of their kid it's like oh if it's a boy we'll name it shinji if it's a girl oh, yeah. we'll name it ray so like it was already pretty you know heavily in my opinion inferred that ray was kind of supposed to be the surrogate mother slash you know sister in the tv series she's the like the only one who can also pilot unit one i think correct because genetically she basically is yui so right so I think that's that's where the affinity comes because because also at a genetic level she's going to like a mother always wants to love their child right so I think that's mm-hmm. another reason why they they did it that way I also I found it I really really liked what they did with Ray in the front half of uh, episode four that whole scene in the in the in the encampment was I I, I enjoyed that section quite a lot. It was good and also dark in a way, right? Like, yeah. I uh, mean, it, for me, it was a much more palatable way to show kind of Shinji's struggle and slow, like re- reassimilation into a normal society. Yeah, I like the the parallel um, lines, the parallel. I don't know what you just stories of each of the the three of the children, um, how they're coping with things or. Ray is trying to be more human. Shinji is um, trying to cope with what just happened, and Asuka is trying to cope with what Shinji is now, um, and etc. I thought that was interesting. Mike, what's your opinion of that? Uh, we'll call it. We'll call it the village scene. Yeah, I liked that part. Um, it definitely felt like explicitly stating that these characters really need to grow up and they're all horribly damaged but they don't have to be permanently so it's kind of the first it forward progress i guess seems fair i i too i i love that segment and i yeah i think the stuff with ray there was really excellent and so interesting and touching and it's the first like i never really liked ray in the tv series and i didn't like hate her but she was just kind of like oh i don't know she's weird and she's there and like in the movies like 
both like both series of Ray, like you just come to really just like, wow, she's trying so hard. And like, she comes to see that, like she says in the first movie, she says, I can't live, you know, like anywhere, but here. And she says that in the fourth movie again. And when she says that she doesn't go back to the place where she could live and she stays where she's trying to grow and be a human. And at the end of the first movie, or not quite the end, but when they go leave to go fight the sixth angel, um, you know, she says sayonara to, to Shinji. And when she leaves her note of farewell to everyone, um, you know, she has the four, the, the translation, I don't know, translation stuff is, is aside, but basically the last word that she says from her, her magic, her four magic words that she learned from things is sayonara on there. And I think it means she means it in a completely different way. It's not like she's giving up on anything by staying there and knowing that she's, you know, gonna die. She says it in the meaning that she's given in the village, which is that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing here, but um, I'm going away and I'll see you again. Mm. Mm-hmm. Much more hopeful. Yeah, like hopeful and courageous and accepting and growing. And yeah, that's a great, great scene. Yeah. So. And then she turns into LCL, which we don't get to see much of compared to End of Hefa. Yeah. That is true. And not just LCL, but you also see that, you know, when Shinji reaches down and, and picks up the tiny, tiny little light cross, like, that's a little detail oh, yeah. that you didn't... I mean, you kind of got it in EOE, but it was more of a grand scene where, like, everybody everybody's liquefied, and then you just see, you know, millions of, of crosses going, going up in the sky. You're like, oh, wow, that's beautiful in a terrifying, horrible sort of way. <laughs> yeah. As, as you say that, it kind of... Uh... Reminds me of the scene from the end of uh, Akira when uh, Tetsuo turns into energy and Kaneda goes and kind of grabs the uh, the ball of energy there. Man, there's a movie I definitely need to watch again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was fortunate enough. My local theater uh, over the summer had like a like 8K viewing oh, of it. Man. Seeing that movie in the theater was... Oh, that must be a treat. Um, it was the most one of the most incredible theatrical experiences I mean, i've ever let's had be real. Like, Vi- i am visually it is one of the most just stunning thing i'm not gonna even say animation because in in, in visual media akira is just one of the most you know mm-hmm. like awe-inspiring things to this day and it's what it's made in 88 yep so. All right, I'm going to cut off Akira oh, talk. Sorry, yeah. Because that, that's another <laughs> episode. Let's cut, cut that, let's cut that here before we, before we go there. Um, we're about out of time, so let's wrap up. Um, we will certainly at some point have another EVA episode. We are going to attempt to not do that for the next year. I'm not saying not for a year, but not continue on these for a year and go into something else. So for today, uh, final thoughts. Sam, go ahead. Uh, I'll just say i guess first that i think the movies were great i i like to nitpick stuff i have complaints about the cg but whatever i think they're still amazing works um i love them and i will probably watch them a whole much more um but i also wanted to mention two 
I don't know, Easter egg things that um, we can just drop it. We don't have to talk about them. But um, the, even the title for the four movies is spelled differently in the first three than the last one. The last one is spelled on Japanese. The Katakana for Evangelion is the same as the TV series. But for the, oh, the three before one, it, it's, it's one, different. Right? It's, it's, they use yeah. one instead of... Oh, oh dude, yeah, I did not notice I can't that. even figure out a type. <laughs> Evangelion uh, versus one. Interesting. Oh, I didn't notice that. And the other one that I thought was cool, I didn't catch this when I watched it. I had to read it. was that um, in Paris, the beginning of the... I think it's the third movie or the fourth movie. I don't remember. But when they basically free Paris and they get the unit two parts, um, there's also jet alone parts in there. Which I thought that was neat. <laughs> oh, I love that! I love that they because then they they talk they talk later about in when they're assembling uh, Unit Two Samurai version. They're like, "Oh, we have the JA parts here." I was like, "JA, that's awesome! I love it." <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. Anyways, that's my thoughts. All right, final thoughts, Mike. I clearly need to watch the movies again, but I need to watch the TV again before that. <laughs> All right. And I'm interested in doing so, but right now my brain is entirely consumed by Amiga stuff, honestly. <laughs> just cut forward to the episode where the Eva takes over the nerve, and that'll just be your your summary of everything. Nick, final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm right there with um, Sam. I have, I have my issues, but I only nitpick Eva so hard because it is probably my favorite franchise period so i'm going to be extra harsh on a on, you know and i don't ever want to you know give it slack for things that i think they could have done better um, i agree the cgi definitely was not amazing but at least they didn't use it too much so i yeah so yeah. Overall, I was I love the rebuilds. I think the I, again I was incredibly satisfied by them. So uh, I I nitpick on things because I I care. That, that's that's why. And my final thoughts are: I love it all except for the imaginary Eva that comes over the animated version and end of Eva of what was way cooler, the weird one with the hands and the CG face. Yes. That uh, one that weirds yes. me out. That one's weird. Agreed. So on that note of that was weird, we will say thanks for listening and until next time, this is AMO Kenzoko saying Saraba. Oh, yeah, mommy. Do you